following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. K State fans, I don't tell you this enough, but I just want you to know I love you. I don't say it enough. I should. I should say it more. I should share my appreciation for the K-State fan base more than I already do. and I, It's not enough. I do it sometimes, but it's not enough. I'll get to the reasons, uh, the recent reasons why I love you so much here in just a little bit. But first, welcome to the game. It is a rare Friday edition. I say rare because during football season, we hardly have any. I was with you last Friday, but that was in New Orleans, Louisiana for the Sugar Bowl pep rally. Half of the show was the pep rally, but what a turnout that was. I think Coach Kleiman shouted out 10,000. I don't think it was that much. I looked over to the uh, the sound guys that were sitting right next to me for that pep rally. They looked at each other like 10,000, maybe towards five, but it was packed, and that was a huge room, huge room full of K-State fans. What a great turnout that was. What a great turnout the Sugar Bowl was. And I'll get to the details here in just a second, but the turnout for home games at Bramwich Coliseum are going to be through the roof here in just a moment. Mitch Fortner with Travion Berkland. It is just us today. I'm going to be the only one talking sports, so uh, the Mitch Fortner show for a Friday. Travion, you are wearing your uh, work shirt, and you're also wearing your name tag. Yes. I don't think I'd seen how you spell your name until now. Really? Go ahead and spell it for us. T-R-E-Y-V-I-O-N. The V-I-O-N. The mm-hmm. I-O-N threw me off a little bit. Right. It always looks weird. Like, it looks mushed together whenever people see it. So it's always mistaken as Trayvon all the time. But Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Trayvon. Right. It makes sense. But I guess just seeing the Y, I think. Tray- Trayvoin. <laughs> you could say it that way. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think my mom would be too happy about that. Did but. your parents name you after anybody? No, no. I think I don't know really where it came from, but I kind of like how it's different from other Trays and Trayvons. So, well, coming up at the second hour, we're going to be going to Trayvon a little bit because I have a number one song of the day. I'm trying to uh, appease everybody. Getting a few complaints lately that I don't play enough modern number one songs of the day. And I'm like, well, because first of all, the, the 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 details about them aren't very interesting, and to be quite honest with you, they're a bit filthy. Just about every number one song of the day these days, or I shouldn't say number one song of the day, just number one songs these days are kind of filthy. And when you have to play the clean version on the radio, it's like, what's the point? Because the whole story about it is filthy anyways. This is a family show. The Mitch Fortner experience is for the fam. And speaking of the fam, the K-State fam, here are the details I wanted to get out there. Uh, So when K-State scored 116 at Arkansas, or Arkansas, Texas, I don't know why I brought up Arkansas, um, the the record-breaking number of points ever in a K-State basketball game by the Cats, K-State put out a promotion to sell some tickets, including the next home game, which is coming up on Tuesday against Oklahoma State. Guys, games are starting to sell out, and I love seeing this. So far, uh, three 
Three sellouts so far for uh, for conference play following the Texas win. Now, there are a very limited number of tickets for the Florida game, which is on Saturday, February, uh, January 28th. Less than 150. I'm sure there's a lot of scattered singles in there. Iowa State game is also on a Saturday, February 18th. I think I'm actually going to be missing that game. It's going to be the first uh, road trip for K-State baseball, and I always go on the first road trip to call some games. So, uh, But I've been told less than 300 are remaining uh, for, uh, for that contest. But three uh, home games have been sold out, including the KU game. So if you wanted tickets to the KU game, I think also the Texas Tech game has sold out and the Texas game. So if you wanted tickets to those games, secondary sites, or you're not going. But I know Coach Tang has really, really, really been wanting more fans to show up. I know K-State scored 116, and they also allowed 103. I think if K-State scored 70, 170 to 65, if they won 60 to 55 in Austin on Tuesday, I still think you're getting this reaction from fans. The win at Texas has proved that this team is the real deal. Coach Tang has wanted fans since game one to start showing up a little bit more. He has put in the work with the fan base to build the to build a relationship. Now the trust is being built as well. And I love that these games are starting to sell out. And I think this is just a start. I think this is just a start. By the way, um, K-State says their uh, official secondary ticket partner is StubHub. So there you go. I guess that's the place to go, StubHub. Go get your uh, secondary site tickets. Now, more on the Jerome Tang story. Briefly touched on it yesterday. We can get into it a little bit more here, even though I don't think there's much to get into, to be honest with you. Chris Beard fired. Texas, they could have had a lot of behind-closed-door discussions, but it didn't seem like they wanted to have a whole lot of discussions. They did their uh, internal investigation, their, or their own investigation, I should say, and they determined that they really, at this point, don't want anything more to do with Chris Beard. So he's not going to get any of his like $27 million buyout, and now all he's worried about is, uh, well, first of all, he does have a job, and second, he has a level three felony hanging over his head. But Jeff Goodman, a stadium on his uh, podcast did not do K-State fans a favor. He says the first call Texas should be making to fill that vacancy is Jerome Tang. First of all, Jeff, I'm very flattered uh, that you want our head coach. He's doing a great job. He's 13-1, 2-0 in Big 12 play. How about this? Cats are 2-0 in Big 12 play for the first time in nine years. Isn't that wild? Nine years. The last time K-State started 3-0 in Big 12 play was 10 years ago. I mean, I don't think that's the biggest stat in the world, but it, it does, it's wild. It is wild to me that Bruce in the last nine years couldn't get K-State to 2-0 in Big 12 play. There have been a lot of really bad starts in Big 12 play. Going back and looking at those records, rough. Heck, the big last Big 12 championship team started 0-2. And maybe Jerome Tang found himself a big comeback win against West Virginia to get this team to springboard into some big wins. You like that comparison? Because it was that 18-19 team that started 0-2 in Big 12 play, 
comes back in record fashion against West Virginia, the biggest comeback in program history, and they go on to win the Big 12, and they share the, uh, of course, they share the title with Texas Tech. But anyway, where I don't think there's a whole lot to get into with Jerome Tang and the Texas job is that, first of all, Coach Tang had told us, I don't don't remember exactly where this was, I don't think it was at the introductory press conference, but he had mentioned, and we, we already knew this when the hire went down, because because the the knowledge was already out there, Jerome Tang had already been offered for a, for a, at least a few years, if not more, that he could have been a head coach somewhere, but he waited. He waited for the right opportunity. It wasn't really about the money; it was just about the right opportunity. He wanted to stay in the Big Twelve, and he thought Manhattan, Kansas, this season was the absolute right opportunity to finally become a head coach at this level. He could have done it years ago. He really could have. But this, this right here was the right opportunity. And to think he's going to bounce after one year and, uh, and jump into the coaching transfer portal and go over to Texas, that seems like a big stretch. Just by getting to know him, the relationship, the, all the work he has done to develop a relationship and built what he has built so far at K-State, it just doesn't seem like he's that kind of guy. It really doesn't. Yes, Texas could double down and offer him a whole bunch of money and double what, uh, what he's making, $2.1 million at K-State this year. Sure, Texas absolutely has that power. But Coach Tang takes and that just taking it just seems real far-fetched. Just, just does not seem like him. And be honest with you, that's what we're, we're going off of. Media had a chance today to ask the question, hey, the Texas job's up. Your name's been thrown around. What do you think? I could have answered the question. I did not. I maybe I chickened out a little bit. I don't know, but nobody else did. I don't think anybody is really considering that Texas to be a threat. Would Coach Tang be dying to go back to Texas and coach? I don't know. We don't know. Nobody has asked the questions yet. My thought is it just doesn't seem like Coach Tang is that kind of guy. It doesn't. You know, Bob Huggins, the job he took was the dream job. Is Texas the dream job for for Jerome Tang? I don't think it would be. I just don't see Jerome Tang being a sellout, to be quite honest with you. Does he want to be two hours away from his, his buddy, Scott Drew? Who knows? I'm not worried about it. I don't think you should be worried about it. I saw the meltdown going on on social media. Yeah, when a, when a national media guy is, is throwing around your head coach's name to leave after one year, you're like, well, buddy, listen, we're a couple of tweets away from throwing some hands. K-State fans are not going to take that lightly, not take it sitting down. They're going to stand up and, and fight for their head coach, and I love that. The, the chain of uh, retweets, I love Jerome Tang, you know he saw that. You know he saw that. Took it to heart. I don't think Jerome Tang is going anywhere. I don't think there's anything to worry about. And hopefully there's not a shocker coming up in March or April. All right. Um, You know, I didn't get a chance yesterday to talk about um, Marquise Noel. Now, if I would have had my opportunity to do that two days ago or even yesterday, uh, I really had a really deep thought going into the the Jason Mansfield press conference we had a few days ago because I got to thinking in the cards like, you know, I think think Marquise Noel deserves more attention – and more praise for being one of the best players
players in the Big 12. Because he's not playing for Kansas, he's not playing for Baylor, he's not playing for Texas. And also, you know, Keontae Johnson is a hell of a player as well. I think he deserves more praise. And then I got to thinking as well, you know what? If you look at the numbers, I think you could put the argument out there that he is the best player in the Big 12. He's not the leading scorer in the conference. That'll go to Jalen Wilson. And, you know, it's probably a four or five guy race if you just want to go off points on who could win that battle. Rebounding, Jalen Wilson is also up there as well. But I think there's you got to make the argument, and maybe this is just me, but I val- I so much value what he has been doing with passing the ball. His defense has been so good that you could, I don't know if you can argue with other guys on who could step up and be a better defender than Marquise Noel. No, I think what's really been hurting Baylor this year is not having um, Jonathan Chamwachachua this season. Hurt last year in February because of an injury. But he was such a great defender. Fantastic defender. And he's still on the roster. You know, maybe there's a chance he plays this year. I'm not sure. I think, you know, coming up here in just a few moments, we're going to talk to Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365. Love to know if we got an update on Jonathan Chamwa Chachua, who's been out for about 11 months. And it, that was a, a knee injury that he suffered against Texas. But I think Marquise Noel has really stepped up his game with his defending. He is, I think he's the best in the Big 12 in steals. He is the best in the Big 12 in assists. He is the best in assist-to-turnover ratio. If you ask opposing coaches, he's one of the biggest pests to have to deal with when K-State is the opponent. Yet he is still in the top 10 in scoring. He's scoring 16 points a game. He is a great free-throw shooter. His shooting numbers are a lot better than what they were to start the year. He is 36% from three-point range. Again, the scoring and the shooting is not going to top the charts in the Big 12. But I think he deserves more praise, more respect for what he has done, not only for this team. And I'm not talking just I'm not talking from K-State fans. I'm talking around the Big 12. Excuse me, around the Big 12. K-State, I think, has now proven in the last couple of games a lot to the Big 12. It wasn't the hardest non-conference schedule. The loss to Butler didn't look great at the time. But coming out and going 2-0 and in the Big 12 play, one at home, coming back and winning in overtime against West Virginia, you beat Texas at their house, the number six team in the country, you hang 116 on them. Yeah, that's going to catch a lot of attention. And Baylor praises himself for how well they play under Scott Drew against teams not in the top 25. K-State is no doubt about it, a top 25 team. And there are quite a few teams in the Big 12 that can argue and say that they have a player that you could probably talk about as being the best, if not uh, one of the best in the Big 12, like a first-round, first-team All-Big 12 type of player. Kansas is Jalen Wilson. I mean, Grady Dick. I mean, yes, he, he, he scores. He's a great three-point shooter, but I would say Jalen Wilson without a doubt – Mike Miles at TCU is extremely good. And that TCU team, by the way, watching that Baylor game, that's a feisty team. They're not a great three-point shooting team, but, man, do they like to run. They are athletic. That is a scary, scary team. Marcus Carr is, is insane for Texas. Grant Sherfield for Oklahoma. Kevin O'Banner at Texas Tech. There's a lot of great, great athletes. But what K-State has over those teams, I think, is that – they have two guys that you could say are some of the best in the Big 12 
and Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. I think Baylor would be the other team, maybe, to argue that they have two of the you know, two guys that could be all Big 12 first team players Keontae George and Adam Flagler. And we'll talk about those guys here in just a moment because coming up next, we're going to talk Baylor hoops and we're going to talk this matchup between K State and number 19 Baylor in Waco tomorrow. It is the return of Jerome Tang in Waco. We'll talk about that matchup when we come back on the game. You want to check out some great basketball tonight, head out to Junction City. I call it the Duke, North Carolina of high school hoops in Kansas, Manhattan, and Junction City. Of course, a couple shades of blue, not much distance separates them, and it's always the best environment. And it's a Friday night at Junction City. You know that place is going to be packed at their uh, new high school that opened a couple of years ago. And Troy told us just during the break that 6 o'clock is where, our, about 6 o'clock is where our coverage will start for Manhattan and Junction City from Junction City High School. We continue our talk about K-State and Baylor, 5 o'clock tomorrow from the Farrell Center in Waco. Number 19, Baylor will host Kansas State. And at this time, we are pleased to be joined by Ashley Hodge of Sikkim 365 here on the game. Ashley, this uh, this Baylor team, 10-4 and four to start the year with an 0-2 record in, in Big 12 play. It's been an interesting run, at least in my opinion, for Baylor because I think they beat a couple of non-con play that I thought maybe I'd give the opponent the advantage. Gonzaga is an example there. And Baylor's also lost some games that have surprised me a little bit. So with the no one 2 starting Big 12 play, I mean, just where do you think Baylor is at right now with basketball? Yeah, I think well, they're disappointed that they started 0-2 for sure. I mean, you know, losing at Iowa State, that's uh, a game that going into the game that I think Baylor fans thought would be a toss-up, but uh, Iowa State ran away with it late. Uh, the game against TCU was was uh, disappointing from a Baylor fan's perspective because Baylor had such a big lead. I, I think TCU is a high quality team, and uh, I'm not surprised it was close. But uh, they didn't lead for they probably led for like you know 15 to 20 seconds in that game, and, and both of those leads came real late in the game. So that was one they wish they would have back. Uh, but you know, really, I think it's the story of uh, just guys been in and out of the lineup. You know, similar to last year. L.J. Cryer's missed time, Adam Flagler's missed time, and uh, we're still waiting on the return of Jonathan Chamlachasso. I think that's going to be a big boost to them when he's able to get back in the lineup. But uh, for now, I think just getting those guards playing together and getting some rhythm is is very important, and uh, hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. I'm glad you brought up Jonathan Chamba-Chatchwell. He's been out, of, gosh, about 11 months, and I think the last update I saw about him was just he's out indefinitely. So uh, the timetable just kind of feels like up in the air, at least from what I know. But would you, would you say is there something that that is very key for Baylor that is missing not having Chamo Chachua? I think you know it's the energy and the leadership he brings. I think that's the number one thing that's missing from this Baylor team. Uh, Adam Flagler is tremendous and and one of my favorite Baylor players ever. Just a, a silent assassin, uh, but he's not a very vocal guy, and he's the point guard. I think a lot of the um, energy and, uh, you know, what's competitive grit, I guess is a good way to say it, is, is coming from Keontae George, a uh, freshman. Uh, you prefer it would come from the upperclassmen. And so I think Jonathan Samachachua, even if he's able just to get in and give Baylor 
10 or 15 good minutes a game, I think, you know, his presence on the court will be huge just from a leadership and energy standpoint. Uh, that's one thing that I think uh, this team could really use. Uh, they, they have a lot of good pieces, but uh, it seems like that, you know, competitive fire has been the one thing that's been missing. Is there any idea when he will come be p- coming back? I, I expect him back, um, you know, sometime in around the 1st of February. So I, I think, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's, uh, he's practicing, he's dunking, uh, the recovery's going well. He's attacked it with, with tremendous vigor. Uh, but I think it's, you know, just getting confident enough to, to actually, uh, play in games. I, I think, uh, you know, the, the medical clearance will probably come before he actually, uh, suits up and, and plays in a game. But I, I expect it around February 1st. Speaking with Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365, as we talked the Baylor Bears, the guard play of Baylor is so impressive. they they got to be one of the best teams in the country when it comes to the talent they have at the guard position. You mentioned Adam Flagler, uh, throwing Keontae George, who's a freshman, LJ Cryer. I mean, those are three guys that are in the top ten of the Big 12 just in scoring. And the way they contribute to this team shooting the three, the three ball is also very impressive. they got to be – not only with them, but the three-point shot that they bring has to be, is this the pulse of the team? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think we knew going into the season that that would be the strength of the team. Langston Love is another guy that's been playing really well lately. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, they're going to live and die with how their guard play goes. And, you know, they're, they, they've got guys that are capable of making, you know, two, two guys that could probably make four or five threes a game, uh, you know, on a given night. Uh, so it makes them a dangerous team as far as, you know, just trying to cover those options. But, but you know, they're they're not as strong inside, and um, they, they need to get better in that area. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested in this matchup because they had trouble keeping Mike Miles in front of them, and, you know, he got whatever he wanted at the rim. If, if you look at the shot chart for TCU the other night, it, it was ridiculous. I think TCU made four shots outside the paint, and everything else was at the rim. Uh, so we we know that uh, Noel's a guy that can that can penetrate and you know get easy looks for teammates and and Baylor has to do a better job of keeping a guy like him in front of them and not letting him get to his spots wherever he wants on the floor because it's going to be a a long night for the Bears if they allow him to, to you know just uh, get to wherever he wants and and be able to distribute. He's one he's one of the best in the country as we know at doing that. How deep would you say Baylor is? Because you mentioned guys have been kind of in and out this year, but far as I know, I mean, other than Jonathan Chamo Chachwa uh, not playing, K-State might be getting Baylor's best shot. Uh, but how deep do you think this team is? They, they play nine right now. They've got a nine-man rotation. Uh, so they, they have a starting five of uh, Cryer, George, Flagler, uh, Jalen Bridges, uh, who, you know, Big 12 fans will be familiar with him. He came from West Virginia. And, and then Flo Thamba, who's been around for a long time. And then off the bench, they bring Langston Love, Dale Bonner, who's a second-year player, and then um, Joshua Ojewuna, really promising freshman big man, and and then their uh, final rotation guys, Caleb Bloner from from BYU. So so those are the nine that they roll with, and and uh, you know they they kind of view it as uh, having wanting to have eight guys that they play, you know tw- you know fifteen plus minutes per game, but, but but usually it's you know those are the nine guys that they're rolling out. Speaking with Ashley Hodge of Sikkim 365 here on the game. Now, with uh, tomorrow's game at 5 o'clock from the Farrell Center, of course, you know, the big storyline 
is uh, at least one of them, of course, will be the return of Jerome Tang. Uh, he actually spoke about it uh, you know, briefly earlier today with the media. He kind of mentioned that he just doesn't know what his emotions are going to be heading into this one. I'm sure it's a, a mix of, you know, he's excited to play this one, but also maybe dreading it a little bit because it's his friend. They worked together for 19 years, and this is his former place, his former stop, stomping grounds. Has Coach Drew spoke about this matchup yet and, and coaching against his old, old, uh, old friend? I know he's, uh, Coach Drew had a media session uh, this afternoon. I haven't watched it yet, so I, I'm sure that, that was brought up in, in the media session. Uh, but, yeah, there's got to be really um, tough emotions for, for both of them and, and for really everyone on the Baylor staff who, uh, you know, feels like, you know, Coach Dang is, is a part of their family and, and, you know, they just know each other so well after spending so many years together. And, and I think it's uh, tough for the fans, too, like uh, – you know, a typical fan goes to the game wanting to cut the throat of the other team's <laughs> coach, and, and uh, you know, it's going to be some mixed emotions as far as that's concerned because uh, Drum Tang's so beloved by, by Baylor fans. Uh, but, I, but I do think that, uh, you know, when, once the game starts, those competitive juices will be, will be flowing, and I think it's going to be a really uh, typical hard-fought Big 12 game. But, I, you know, I'm sure the Bears will, you know, Baylor's going to honor Coach Tang. I think they're going to present him with his championship ring before the game. Uh, so there's some things that you know are in store uh, prior to the game that will be you know more ceremonial and it will be interesting to watch you know the post game and the handshake and, and you know and, and uh, Baylor always has a, a, a post game prayer circle. I, I, does Key State do that after games? Because I know that was a kind of a staple of, of uh, what Baylor does. But is that tradition carried on with with Coach Dang? Uh, I th- yes, it does. They they do circle okay. up for sure. Uh, it's not like a it's not like a stadium thing or arena thing or anything right. Yeah, that. just 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 the team. Yeah, so I, I'm sure they'll join. Uh, you know, like the, the teams will probably join together and, and that you know just uh, show sportsmanship. But but, but it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be an awesome uh, game, awesome atmosphere as as every Big Twelve game is. Man, what a conference this year! It's unbelievable. Are you familiar with the dessert tradition uh, at Baylor? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. uh, so, the, yeah, the, if, if a player misses two free throws, then it's uh, free cupcakes for, for every oh, student. No, I, I was actually talking about – so Co- uh, Coach Tang actually talked about this today. So after the Texas win, they all went out and got donuts because oh, it's about yeah. dessert. Uh, yes. And I guess started at Baylor, they would go get dessert on after road wins? Right. Right, yeah, I, I've heard that before, correct. Okay, I was just wondering how big of a deal that was because I thought that was the coolest thing, take them out for uh, for donuts after a game, especially after scoring 116. I, I think that would be a, a pretty sweet tradition. Now, I, I'd also read that, uh, so I guess Baylor, leading into this basketball season, had sold the most season tickets ever. Uh, so are we, I, I know, I, I'm guessing that students are still on break, but are we expecting a pretty strong crowd at the Ferrell Center yeah. tomorrow? I think I think it'll be sold out. I, I, and part of the reason why season ticket sales are so high this year is um, you have to be a season ticket holder to get even access to tickets in the new arena, uh, which will be oh. complete uh, before conference starts next year. So um, that's you know everyone that wanted an option to to get tickets in the new arena had to buy season tickets this year. Now to wrap up, I saw King McClure is going to be on the TV broadcast, and I thought that was very fitting to have him out there. But does Baylor, does Sikkim 365 have a favorite former Baylor student-athlete that's now doing uh, some broadcasting? King is uh, King is our guy. We love King uh, for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that, I mean, obviously RG3 is doing a lot of football. 
uh, related stuff. But I think as far as Big 12 basketball is concerned, King may be the only mm-hmm. former Baylor guy that's that's uh, doing you know games. But yeah, he's 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 a he's got a bright future ahead of him. Uh, love his commentary, and he, he knows Coach Tang really well. So it's going to be. Um, They'll probably have a lot of really, really cool stories to share during the telecast. Yeah, expecting also with the game tomorrow, very close one. These two coaches, I think these players are going to definitely play the best for their coaches because they know what that relationship is like. And uh, no doubt about it, it's going to be a really good one uh, in Waco tomorrow. But uh, Ashley, really appreciate your time. It was always great to speak with you and hope to talk to you down the road very soon. Yeah, and congrats on that win against Texas. I, I don't get the Longhorn Network, but I watched the 27-minute Matthew Loves Basketball video replay, and I loved every minute of it. That was a huge win, and, uh, you know, man, what a game. You guys uh, came out on fire and, and uh, you know, finished the job. So uh, congrats on that win, and, and uh, hope for a good game tomorrow night. Yeah, I figured if anybody would have appreciated it more than anybody, it would be probably Baylor fans, but uh... – <laughs> Uh, I was only able to watch it because uh, there was a K-State fan that had it streaming on Twitch and sent out the link to everybody. There's like 5,000 people watching it. Uh, But again, Ashley, really appreciate it. You're always fun to talk to, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Thank you. That is uh, Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365 here on uh, The Game. Coming up in hour number two, we'll have, of course, Mitch Palm to preview a little bit deeper about the Baylor Bears. We're going to hear from Jerome Tang, the best of his press conference earlier today. But coming up next from that same press conference, we're going to hear from K-State guard and sophomore Cam Carter after these words. At guard, a 6'3 sophomore from Donaldsonville, Louisiana, number five, Cam Carter. Averaging seven points, three rebounds, an assist and a half, and shooting 37% from the field. What a game he had, even though, of course, outshined a bit by Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel with their huge games. But third in scoring against Texas was Cam Carter. With 17 points, it was his best game since going with 16 points in game number three of the season against Kansas City. He has been a regular starter at the two-guard position for for K-State this year, and I I think there's no doubt about it. He had his best game against Texas, and he keeps getting better. 17 points and eight rebounds a game. And for a player that hardly played at Mississippi State last year, he comes in, proves himself in practice, and now he's just about an every-day starter for the Wildcats. He'll be a big piece moving forward for K-State, and he spoke to the media earlier today. What have you liked about Coach Tang's coaching style, and why have y'all come together like you have so quickly as a team? Uh, first off, Coach Tang, he's he's very passionate about winning, and uh, we're, well, you know, I'm around a group of guys that's also passionate about winning, so, you know, we're going to win, and, you know, we connect very well and our chemistry on and off the court is great so I mean that's unbeatable is there anything that he's maybe stressed to y'all a lot um yeah roll you know on your know, roll wins like everything when things go bad in practice or things go wrong maybe like a missed call or something like that he would say we're on a road because you know things will always go our way on the road a couple times this year I think against Kansas City and obviously against Texas you've had some scoring outbursts where you've scored at least 15 points um what do you think contributed to those scoring performances in those two games um first I would say uh you know my hard work standing in the gym putting in extra shots extra hours things like that and you know my teammates you know I can't I can't just always create shots for myself you know, it's always, you know, most of my shots are catch and shoot shots. 
So, you know, I can't score those shots or score those points without my teammates getting me the ball. So, And when you look and see what Marquise is doing, what Keontae is doing, does it want to make you become a better basketball player? And just how cool is it to see what those guys have been doing? Yeah, it does. It, it does make me uh, want to be, you know, better. I was just telling uh, someone yesterday, you know, I want to, you know, get to where Keontae is because, you know, he's an elite scorer. Like, it, he's very efficient. So, yeah. And Marquise, he, he's another one. He's very efficient. You know, we shoot a lot after practice. So, I mean, he's like a big brother to me. Thing, you know, when things go wrong for me, you know, he's like the big brother. You know, I can lean on like, you know, how, how do I do this? How do I do that? Type stuff. You and Jarrell were the first two guys to commit to Coach Tang and the staff when they took over. When you made that commitment, when you visited Kansas State, is this kind of how you envisioned the season going? Yeah, 100%. Because Tang you, had a vision and I believed it. And do you think that's important? I, I would say probably building a culture for you guys to keep that locker room, you know, tight. You guys seem like it's a very tight group. Is that kind of help the culture too for not even just this year, but for future years too? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Coach Tang put us all in the same apartments purposely. And, I mean, we even if we didn't like each other, we didn't have a choice but to bond. But, I mean, that's not the case. We all love each other here. Uh, we bond. We have a, a bond that's different. I, I played on a team last year, you know, a different team last year. And this team this year, I just know it, it's a big difference between, you know, the uh, connection. Yeah, Cam, was there, one, was there one aspect of your game that Coach Tang pointed out that he liked when he came to – See you at Mississippi State. Yeah, um, he told me, you know, he liked how hard I played on both ends. And what areas have you worked to improve your game since you've become a college player? Uh, my shooting and my uh, playmaking, because I know I, you know, in the past, I, I would get a lot of turnovers from not playing off two feet or, you know, seeing things a little too late, making wrong reads sometimes. And Coach Tang, you know, watching film with him and the GAs, they, you know, they helped me, you know, make better reads. On and off the ball, you know, you know, backdoor cutting, if it's passing, you know, when to shoot the ball, when not to shoot it. Was there a certain point Tuesday night when you guys realized that everything was kind of clicking from an offensive standpoint? Uh, yeah. Well, from the locker room, well, in the locker room, we talked about, uh, you know, usually we start off slow. I mean, I'll say that. But Coach Tang told us, you know, we're on a roll, so we got to start out fast. And that's what we did. We got out there real fast, and you know, it was like shooting rocks in the ocean. I love that last line. Texas is like shooting rocks into an ocean. Hopefully it's the same story tomorrow at Baylor. We'll take our final time out here in hour number one. And when we come back, Skylar Thompson. Spotlight will be on him on Sunday. We'll explain why that spotlight is so bright when we come back. What is this? Little Uzi Vert. Not sure I'm feeling it. You got to hear his new song. That's really good. Do I? Just want to rock. It's really good. Sometimes I just want to rock, but that's with rock music. You can rock to rap too. It's it's all the same. Well, yeah, I guess so. If you rock and roll, you know, rock mm-hmm. and roll Hall of Fame rappers are in. Mm-hmm. I guess you could. Skylar Thompson, Skylar three sixteen. Man, does he have an opportunity coming up at sun on Sunday? So, as anybody could have predicted, um, the uh, the quarterbacks for the Miami Dolphins are injury prone. Yeah, when you got a uh, a roster of Tua Tagovailoa and Teddy Bridgewater, injuries kind of come to mind. Unfortunately, the same due for Skylar Thompson. However, he's been the more healthier of the three. 
Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, has announced earlier today that their seventh-round draft pick of the 2022 draft, Skylar Thompson, has been taking first-team reps, and he will be the starter Sunday against the New York Jets. Now, here's the story. Miami Dolphins were 8-3 and three five weeks ago. They're now 8-8. Eight and eight. They were absolutely going to the playoffs until losing streak began. But here's the situation. The Miami Dolphins can still make the playoffs, and they haven't been to the playoffs since 2016. Playoffs? Sorry, I had to do it one time. Just once. But here's the situation. This is, this is by far the biggest opportunity for Skylar Thompson. This will be his second start. The first one, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the best outing, right? Matter of fact, I think that was against the Jets, was it not? I think it was the Jets. It was, it was at New York. Where he threw 19 of 33 for 166 and an interception. By the way, threw his first touchdown pass against the New England Patriots on the road and finished 12 of 21 for 104, the score and the interception. And he was sacked one time. But Skylar Thompson has a shot now to lead the Miami Dolphins to the playoffs. Now, they also need some help. They, the Dolphins need a victory. And they also need the New England Patriots to either tie or lose their game on Sunday as well. Now, that game happens to be at the Buffalo Bills. New England Patriots, here's the deal. You're not going to win that game. Too much of a dramatic week for the, the, or the, uh, the Buffalo Bills. DeMar Hamlin, he is doing so much better. He is talking. He asks if the team won or not. He is recovering greatly. Sorry, but the Bills are going to win that game on Sunday. Meanwhile, Skylar Thompson, let's see if he can get it done. Noon on Fox on Sunday is when the Jets and Dolphins kick off from Hard Rock Stadium. Coming up in hour number two of the game, again, just Travion and I, we're rocking this show ourselves. We do have Manhattan High Hoops coming at about 6 o'clock. We're going to hear of the best of Jerome Tang, his emotions heading into this game against Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears, where he coached for 19 years. Mitch Palm will break down the Baylor Bears plus number one song of the day and ask us anything. Your local news is next.